So this girl is somebody who really inspired me when I met her, which is why I knew I had to keep in touch and get her on the podcast. When she was young, and you'll hear this in the interview, when she was young, she had her leg amputated due to cancer that she stopped from spreading. Then she saw people snowboarding. She's like, I want to do that. But nobody with an above the knee amputation had really done it before. Not only did she do it, not only did she learn to snowboard, but she ended up being a Paralympian. And she competed in Pyeongchang this year. And, uh, well, I'll leave the rest of the interview. But needless to say, it's a very inspiring interview. How's it going, everybody? This is Joe, the founder of the Renaissance Man Network and the Renaissance Man Podcast. I'm the host of that. I wanted to share with you the intentions for this podcast and lead you into the content so that you know exactly what to expect and what to focus on. I want to help people live like a Renaissance man. Now, and nowadays, people either tend to be uh, a little bit okay at everything without direction, or they tend to be super focused on one particular career. But the art of being a renaissance man, free to do whatever he likes, but dedicating his life to the mastery of several things, and understanding that self-development has an infinite ceiling. That art has been lost, and so I want to help get that back into the world where people can become great mathematicians, become great uh, athletes, become great... Um, um, craftsmen, become great travelers, become great writers, become great at many things that inspire and make you feel uh, uh, like a capable and well-rounded man. Um, Self-actualize. There are values that I hold dear to my heart and that I hold dear to being the, the ideal of being a renaissance man, which is living with a sense of passion and curiosity and a hunger for growth, experiences, and knowledge. So I interview people that do these things. I interview people that are, in, that are good at something where I can share the things they're good at. I also talk about these values on discussion episodes. So please go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already, or if you would like to hear the content to see if you want to subscribe, I totally understand, and you can listen to it and then decide afterwards. It's your choice, Um, and that is one of the easiest ways to support the podcast. Without further ado, here is today's episode. Is there like a way you could like tie like say hello? My name is Nicole, just so I can hear how loud it is. Hi, hello. My name's Nicole Randy. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Cool. Uh, let's do take three. Sound good? Okay. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, third time's a charm. Hey, it's Joe. I'm here with Nicole. Um, wanted to share some of the stuff that she has to say, so I'll let you introduce yourself. My name is Nicole Vandy. I am a 24-time World Cup medalist and a two-time Paralympian. Uh, my sport is border cross. I am semi-retired from the competition circuit, but I am still very involved in the world of Paralympic sports. And I believe in going after your dreams and keeping that, that movement and that momentum going. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
sure thing, sure thing. Uh, I met you at a talk at Rutgers when I was going to Rutgers, the Mark Conference, and um, I thought it was fascinating how you got up on stage and talked about how you're a Paralympian. Now, why is that amazing that you snowboard? What is it about you that makes that an incredible feat? Uh, well, I am an above-the-knee amputee, and it's not so much um, considered impossible anymore, but about 10 years ago, before prosthetic technology became what it was, it was very much considered impossible mm -hmm. to be able to do any sort of accent sport, to be able to skateboard, snowboard, wakeboard. It was just, nobody was doing it. So you snowboard and you only have one, one birth knee. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I only have one real knee. Okay. Uh, and then I rely entirely on a mechanical knee. And it's just, um, you know, a knee is a very complicated part of your body. And it's really hard to replace a knee, especially because it's just so complex. You have your quads, you have your hamstrings, you have, it's, it's a very... Uh, dynamic um, phalange <laughs> that does a lot of different motions and there is no prosthetic in the world that can replace all of those motions. Yeah and it's interesting you say that because I remember when I and 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 if you don't want me if you don't want me to go into this that's cool but I remember when I when I approached you I was super curious about um, how the prosthetic worked I didn't really know how much to ask so I just asked you if you could move it by will and you, you lifted it up and it, you, it, just, it just dangled. And I'm really curious because that must make it really challenging to, uh, to, skate, uh, to snowboard. Um, well, I have to use a totally different knee for snowboarding than I do for walking. Uh -huh. So walking, it's very, we refer to it as a swing stance phase. You know, you're, you're putting weight into your heel and you're rolling over the ball of your foot. Yeah. And then you're pushing off of your toes. It's a very basic movement versus so something like snowboarding. You're technically using your hamstring and your quads to pull your knee up into your body. And that's not something that prosthetics know how to do yet. Okay. You know, that's, that's something that takes a lot of um, mental power and energy. And mm -hmm. prosthetics are not... <laughs> I mean, we like to talk about it with the kids and we like to say that I have a robot leg, but in reality, it's not connected to my brain in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's just mechanical. It is. It's very, very strictly mechanical. So, I'm curious, you said border cross. Now, I'm a, I'm a layman. I'm like, okay, snowboarding, snowboarding, but obviously there are specific types of snowboarding or maybe like specific types of events. What's the difference between I'm going down the hill on a snowboard and border cross? Uh, border cross is a side-by-side -side competitive event. You know, we're not racing a clock. Initially, we have time trials that puts you into a circuit and that, mm. um, it, well, it's a bracket. And that bracket of athletes, sometimes it's, four athletes, sometimes it's two, sometimes it's six athletes will race yeah. down the mountain together. And uh, it's just, it's very exciting to watch, but it can be very dangerous, dangerous. Yeah. Um, and then you just, uh, you're throwing prosthetics in the mix and it just gets, it's kind of crazy. But it's it's a lot of fun. It's um, a very challenging sport to do as an above the knee oh, amputee. Of course, of course. I can imagine it's pretty challenging. I mean, I've, I've skied, 
and I've just been scared to snowboard. And I have two knees, two birth knees. Um, and I've just, I haven't wanted to do it because I keep feeling like I'll fall over or fall backwards or something. And I'm fine skiing, like that's, that's fine, but don't put me on a snowboard. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, I've broken a lot of bones and injured a lot of tendons and muscles, so uh, I, I get the fear. Especially, especially getting to the point where you're you're competing in both Sochi and I keep getting mixed up. I know it's really, really bad to mix these up, but Pyeongchang, right? Pyongyang is in North Korea. Pyeongchang is in South Korea. Did I get that right? Yes, really that's bad correct. To mix up. I know, but <laughs> sorry, I'm an ignorant American. I'm not. No, but. I did not go to North Korea. I definitely competed in South Korea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so. I mean, let's let's take you back. So you're how old when you first started um, um, snowboarding? So I started snowboarding when I was 18. Okay, so you're um, I, Yes, and I watched the Paralympic, well I watched the Olympic Games. I watched snowboarding in the Olympic Games in 2002. Yeah. And I thought it was one of the coolest sports I've ever seen. Yeah. And um, you know, like I said earlier, no one was doing it. It was impossible. So I waited two years from that time before somebody gave me a chance to at least try. Yeah. So you, you watched it when you were 16. You're like, I really want to do this. What? I did. I, I mean, I wasn't, it wasn't the point in my life where I was like, oh, I want to do that. And I want to go compete in the Paralympics. It was just, yeah. I want to do that. And then it just kind of started growing and growing and growing it did it evolved i think um you know when you find something that you really love and you you dedicate yourself to and you throw yourself into it it just keeps growing and becoming bigger and a bigger piece of your life yeah so what what was it about snowboarding that you loved was it was it like something about snowboarding in general or was it like also about how you the fact that you were snowboarding was kind of amazing in and of itself Mm. Um, you know, snowboarding has this whole culture around it. It's just a, it's a fun sport. You go out on the snow and it's beautiful and it's just there's this sense of freedom as you're, you know, coasting down a mountain. Um, yeah. Gliding and initially it was kind of this escape from, it was almost an escape from my disability because there were so many ways that my disability was kind of limiting physically. And I don't race up and down the stairs. I walk slowly up and down the stairs. Yeah. Being a young, you know, being 18 years old, that's, that can feel a little limiting sometimes. Um, yeah. Skateboarding, I've never really been confident on a skateboard, so that's not something yeah. I ever got into. But there was just such a fun, enjoyable, I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> um, I know, there was just a passion about it. It's thrilling. It, it's it's beautiful and it's also you're going fast and you're like, oh my god, I'm going fast and it's really cool. Yes, there's some adrenaline involved with it. Yeah, well. that's definitely how I feel when I'm, when I'm skiing along. I haven't done that probably a decade, about a decade, I haven't been uh, in skis, um, but that's that's just something that, that I think is kind of cool, 
when I, it, it's just it's your determination. And did you like, when you started, why didn't anybody let me? Like, were you confused or were you more like, I'm gonna do this anyway, kind of thing? Um, it was more, it was such a complicated process just trying to get me on a board. Yeah. And, and go down the mansion that it wasn't something I was prepared to take on by myself. <laughs> it's a big... It's a big... <laughs> so the train is like right next to right. <laughs> where I'm sitting outside. So it's just really bad. Where, where are you, by the way? Um, I'm sitting outside on a curb in Eugene, Oregon. Oh, <laughs> super, super far north. Yep, yeah, I, uh, I moved from Salt Lake City to Eugene about uh, six weeks ago. So. Six weeks? Wow, so mm -hmm. I hope you know people over there. I don't. <laughs> you don't know people? Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay, it, it's, it's, I mean, I'm sure you've moved before, have you? You're, you're like... Um, I have. I, uh, I've never quite packed up and just relocated like this, but um, it's been an adventure and people are like, oh my gosh, you're so brave. You don't know anybody there. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm like, people do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and also when it comes to you moving to a new place, I don't know if you know meetup.com. I should be getting a sponsorship for saying this meetup. You know my, my PayPal, just my email, joebookoff.gmail.com. Just PayPal me some cash for this endorsement. But anyway, um, honestly, it's a really good uh, thing that I use to meet people here in Austin. Because um, I moved here somewhat recently. So this isn't really part of the interview, but just in general, that's a really good way to meet people, hang out. Meetup? Huh? A meetup? Yeah, meetup.com. Meetup.com. Uh, I'll have to give it a try. I know, right? <laughs> you should. <laughs> you should. It's really cool. Um, and that's one thing that, that I, I thought was was interesting because, you know, when, you, when you're on stage, you're kind of, everyone in the audience, they're not really, I mean, they're there with you, but they're also kind of intimidated. Like, the fact that you're raised up talking to them is kind of like, kind of like puts you on a pedestal. And one thing I've noticed with people who are successful on stage is you're, you're just a person. And like, if, imagine that you're going on stage, anyone who's listening, it, it's kind of like, you're just, it's not, you don't all of a sudden become a better person. I mean, of course you have something to teach and that's the reason why you're there. But one of the things about being successful is that you're just a person who's done something that other people like. And I, I, I guess I'm kind of curious, because um, I know that you've changed the, your name on Facebook. I won't say the name. I accidentally did in the first recording of this. But um, because, like, I don't know if that's because of, of your, your notoriety or if it's just because, in general, you want to change your name. But what have you noticed when you became somebody of noteworthiness? Like, did your life change at all? Or is it kind of the same? Um, you know, I think it does come along with the, ter the territory of being an athlete as um, you do get people who, who reach out to you that they, they want you to share your story. They want you to come out and um, hopefully inspire people, motivate people. Yeah. Um, 
and I, it's not up to me whether it's motivating or inspiring. It's up to them. Um, I'm, I love to share my story. I think that everybody has a story to share and that sometimes it can be brave and hard to share, but it's important that we continue sharing those things. Yeah. Um, there was, you know, Facebook is a very, it's a public platform. And one of the biggest things for me was trying to keep my, my personal, my private life separate from my professional life. And uh, that can be kind of a, a challenge sometimes um, because everybody, <laughs> everybody wants to, to be a friend and, and to follow you and stay in touch. And it can yeah. be really um, time consuming and hard when you're trying to focus on a, a goal and yeah, um, I can imagine. manage your time properly. Yeah. It probably feels like, do you ever feel like you just want to, I mean, if you went to a meetup, would you ever like, not talk about who you are like do you ever feel like you want to just not be known or does that not come up and you kind of like the attention <laughs> yes actually <laughs> um you part? know that's i think that there's some people that they're just a hundred percent extroverts and they yeah. just they want to be in the thick of it all the time and i'm kind of in the middle i have my moments when i just want to hide away and take a vacation and not deal with it. And other times where I really like meeting people, I like hearing their stories and um, I don't know, both both aspects are important. Mm -hmm. So it's kind, um, of, kind of a mixture. It is a mixture and that's where that balance thing comes into play. It's, mm -hmm. You can't do everything all of the time and even now, following the games there's so many people that i i need to thank and i i need to reach out to and i need a personal assistant sometimes <laughs> just because i've done so many people that have helped me on the journey uh-huh you have like a list like every day you're like talk to a talk to b talk to my old coach talk to my old uh yes mate talk and unfortunately i i'm human and i just don't do a very good job of it sometimes yeah yeah, well, we all are, aren't we? Although you are half <laughs> robot or part robot, like a quarter robot. I am, well, a little bit robot. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit robot. Nicole, mostly human, one quarter robot. <laughs> one quarter robot, I like that. I should put that as the um, as the headline. for. That's a slogan, okay. That'd be perfect. <laughs> um, so you also talked a little bit about digital marketing and you said that Snowboarding doesn't always pay the bills, and sometimes you gotta do some other stuff. I hope that's not too personal, um, but I am curious about um, why digital marketing. Um, no, I mean not, definitely not too personal. I don't. Uh, I mean, I don't. I have people all the time asking me, "Oh gosh, that must, that's the most amazing life," and like, yes, it's amazing, but it's also. Expensive, <laughs> oh. um, and as a Paralympian, the majority of Paralympians are just struggling to compete every season. You know, struggling to oops, struggling to kind of pay those bills and um, stay on top of it all, uh -huh. especially because. It can, the prosthetics and the equipment can be far more expensive than saving an able-bodied athlete. 
it's just there's a lot more that goes into it. Yeah, and then so <laughs> traveling though, but the, the actual like, do you do you wear a different prosthetic to go to sport than when you're just walking up the stairs? Yes, yes, I do. And uh, my my everyday prosthetic is covered partially covered by insurance, so I pay the rest out of pocket. Okay. And I don't know if people know this, but that prosthetic almost is completely replaced every can you three see, to sorry, four can you years. So um, okay, it can it is like buying a car every three to four years. Wow. <laughs> and uh, if the past, if uh, it's not covered by insurance, you know, you're left with that that bill. Yeah. Um, so I have worked almost full time through my entire athletic career. Mm. And I don't think that that's something a lot of people realize. Mm. Um, and that's just where it can be really hard to, to balance the two. Um, and that's where digital marketing, it's part of my life. It's a necessary thing. Mm-hmm. And I just, I learned it kind of on the job, I guess, because <laughs> I needed it both for work and, and personally and professionally. Oh, that's true. So. You've mm-hmm. you skills yourself, of course. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it comes with the territory and luckily I do, I do enjoy it. I, I like digital marketing. I, I grew up coding on a computer. Uh, my brother was always really into computers, and I just kind of joined him um, in that pattern. Yeah, it's interesting. You said you, you said you coded a bit too, right? Yes, yes. I started. I had surgery on my knee when I was in uh, in high school. Well, right before high school. And um, the knee that, that you don't have anymore, or the knee that you <laughs> the knee that I do have. Okay. I'm sorry, I don't really, I, I I don't know how to approach the subject and how sensitive it is, but I just want. <laughs> it's not. I'm not sensitive about it. It's you know I've been talking about it for most of my life, so. Yeah, um, I don't want to be like I don't know. It just feels it feels like I, I kind of have to tiptoe a little bit. <laughs> right, <laughs> and I get that. You know, it's so normal to me to talk about my prosthetics and surgeries yeah. and hospitals and and cancer that I forget how strange it might be for other people because it is just normal yeah. conversation to me. It's like talking about a cheeseburger. Cheeseburgers uh, are pretty great. <laughs> do you like it with, with cheeseburgers with bacon? <laughs> cheeseburger is a protein. Like with bacon, like with bacon. I love, I love cheeseburgers with bacon. They're awesome. <laughs> but I mean, that's a very normal topic for most yeah. people. Is that's kind of how I feel about talking about about my prosthetic. It's, okay. Well, Everybody's normal to talk about to me as talking about a cheeseburger. Well, then in that case, where where'd your ego? What happened? What was that? And in, in that case, where did your knee go? What happened when you were when you were little? Oh, um, so I had, yep, I was diagnosed with cancer when I was eight years old, uh-huh. and I went through about a year and a half of treatment and chemotherapy, and the doctors initially were, sorry, the train, 
the train is trying to mess up the interview. <laughs> And it's cargo. That's the passenger chain. Stay loud. <laughs> okay. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, initially, they, uh, you go through a bit of chemotherapy to make sure that your tumor can respond to that chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. If it does, then the doctors know that you have a good chance of surviving. Okay. And that's when they came back and they said that my best chance was to amputate my leg. Wow. And my my mother left, so I'm eight years old, and my mother left that decision to me. And I think that that was a very important time in my life because it gave me responsibility over the decision and responsibility over those consequences. So there's never, I've never blamed I, I know a lot of people blame their parents for things, and I've never blamed my mom uh-huh. for anything. Choice. Here's like, you know, this is my life, not hers. Mm-hmm. And um, did did the the cancer metastasize beforehand, or is it gone, like not coming back? Oh no, not coming back. <laughs> uh, your bones, your bones as a child are very different from your bones as an adult. Oh. So as an adult. Uh, if I were to get cancer again, it would be of a very different nature. Okay, they'd have to take out all your bones. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You could become Wolverine with adamantium bones. Be, Maybe. Yeah, that would be a solution. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I mean, I kind of, I kind of, I'm sure you get asked a lot about like all about your journey and all about, um, you know, the, the semantics of your prosthetics and your lifestyle, but. I kind of want to go away from that and kind of talk about the normal stuff because I'm sure you really aren't, you aren't, you know, you've probably been interviewed before and they probably don't ask about like, hey, what, what is like, first of all, the digital marketing, I want to talk more about that. And then I kind of want to talk about just like, just, I mean, just life in general, um, when it comes to how you try to put normalcy in your life when you have something that obviously like if I look at you I'm like oh you have a metal leg I'm not like it's it's, it's you know it kind of sets you apart um, and I'm kind of curious um, like what do, does that bother you or or is there a way that you kind of compensate for that <laughs> um, well you know I was just talking to a friend the other day and uh, we were talking about gym etiquette you know, normal every day something that if you ever go to the gym you'll deal with gym etiquette correct yeah yeah well apparently it's um it's a thing for guys to go up to girls at the gym and kind of ask if they're are you almost done with this equipment which is really rude (laughs) but it's it's very common with me that's not common people don't ask that (laughs) because uh, i think they're intimidated by me yeah. in the gym lifting with a prosthetic leg and I don't even think about that and when they're staring at me I know that they're looking at me because of my leg yeah. but I just tell myself it's because I have a great ass yeah. <laughs> Obviously. I have I have a good peach okay I've worked really hard on that peach um, why I interviewed so, yes. so you know most girls if they see somebody staying um, at the gym, they're going to think about it as one of their physical characteristics. I'm the same way. 
I don't think of it, oh, they're staring at my leg. I, I think of something else. Okay, so you're, it's almost like you're aware of, of how it's different, but you also are like, you know, I'm just a normal person. I'm, gonna, I'm choosing to think of myself as a normal girl. Exactly. It's so, cool. it's so ingrained in my life. Um, I've had, you know, I've lived much longer with a prosthetic than I lived without one, with my real leg. That <laughs> um, I, I don't really think about it anymore. It's totally normal for me to get up and have to put my leg on. Uh-huh. It's, uh, you like know, it's like clockwork. It's the same yeah. as you turn the alarm off on your phone. Yeah. And you put your your shoes on or whatever. It's that normal to me. Okay, so it's like just every single day. It's like okay. So like for me, I wake up, uh, I I put boxers and a shirt on, and then shorts, and then I go out and I run. So for you, it's like I'm gonna put everything on, and then my my pant like, and then my leg, and it's like okay. Yes. Yeah. It's it's. I don't think twice about it. Do you have one formal one and one casual one, or? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I have different legs for different activities, um, but again, that's normal to me too. Like, if I want to go for a run, I'm gonna have to put my running leg on. That's just yeah. It's kind of like I'd put my running shoes on and then like mm-hmm. have formal shoes. I mean, yeah. yeah. You don't have like a whatever, leg, but... whatever you want to do, you have to yeah. do a little bit of preparation for that. That's exactly the same for me. Yeah, yeah, well, that's kind of cool. Um, so I guess back to digital marketing. Uh, that's I imagine that that that's kind of freeing for you because you can you can like train and then travel and then also just hop on your computer in Victory Village and just be like, I'm gonna market and get some money. <laughs> Uh, yes, that's kind of how it works. Uh-huh. I uh, I actually worked in the healthcare industry for about eight years, and um, I got kind of tired of that, the long hours. Yeah. And I graduated with my bachelor's degree in business management. Mm-hmm. I was offered a job in okay. marketing. I took it, and I've been going with it ever since. All right. All right. She, she walks the walk and talks the talk of, of marketing. <laughs> Where'd you graduate? <laughs> and I mean, you know, in in reality, it wasn't that quick and it wasn't that easy. Can you, uh, sorry, can you, microphone? Sorry. In <laughs> reality, it wasn't that, that quick or that easy. Um, you know, I, I started college in, let's see, 2003. I didn't graduate with my bachelor's degree until 2012. Mm-hmm. So it took a lot of time. I paid for my degree out of pocket while I was competing, while I was working, while I was trying to cover all of that. And so it yeah. took me a while, but a I kept going. I kept chipping away at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, after I graduated from college, I worked in a cubicle office job mm-hmm. for a year before the right thing came along. I That's what I had to do. I kind of stepped away from the sport at that time. Um, and, you know, you just you make sacrifices when you have to and you make hard decisions when you have to. Yeah, I mean, that's just life. It for you. The, the competing, I mean, first of all, you're seeing the world, I imagine. 
which is a side benefit. And then you're doing something that you enjoy. You're going fast down a hill on a death machine, um, which for some reason, I'm just kidding, <laughs> which, is, which is actually pretty awesome. Um, and, and I imagine that that probably not even just took time, but it also probably took a lot of energy. So, so I mean, were your parents on board? Were, were your was your family on board? As you said, you paid it out of pocket, which probably means you you like you earned the money yourself. But we, you know, what what was the support like in your family, your friend group? Um, my family and my my friends have been amazing. They they've always been supportive. I mean. I done go fund fund me fundraisers and yeah. all kinds of things throughout my career uh, to come up with the funds. Um, yeah. Um, I am the youngest of six kids, so my my parents my parents did pretty well for having six children, but they weren't wealthy by any means, middle class family. Um, so they helped me when they could. My mom. My mom was a stay-at-home mother until I was in high school, and she did some cleaning on the side, and then she also dipped chocolates at a chocolate factory, and she would give me what she would call her extra chocolate money and her toilet money <laughs> um, to help <laughs> you know, cover some of the expenses. Yeah. yeah so, you know, they, they've always helped a little bit here and there where they could, but yeah. you know, I, I didn't have somebody coming to save me nobody came to save me no <laughs> you had to put in your in your your you know your toil your your elbow grease but i did i, I put in a lot of elbow grease that's true. um yeah. and Just with fire. time i did i was fortunate and lucky enough to have some sponsors um okay osa osa is a, um, a prosthetic manufacturer they always had my back every season and that was that was amazing that was not something i ever took for granted that's pretty cool yeah. i'm sure i'm sure that helps did they reach out to you or did you go asking like hey i want to i want somebody to help me snowboard i've been a good snowboarder as you you want to advertise your stuff like i'm kind of curious how that relationship was formed it was you know it was kind of both you have to you reach out and you form a relationship with a brand and with a company and yeah. in time sometimes that develops into something more uh eventually one day i got a call from the team um manager and she said we want to sponsor you but that was many years later after you know kind of nurturing and embracing that relationship okay um and you're like you'll do that yeah you'll, you'll do that with a You'll form relationships and bonds with a lot of um, companies and friends and, and family. Yeah. And nothing, a lot of times it doesn't pan out into anything. And you, and you have to be okay with that. Because sometimes it's more about having that connection than it is actually, you know, getting something from, mm -hmm. something physical from that relationship. It's, yeah. You never know when somebody is going to be there for you. Uh -huh. Or when you're going to need to be there for somebody else. Yeah, so so just keeping the connection alive, and and not having like not having like a person be a means to an end, but having, I guess, an end be a means to a person. If that makes sense. like you, you're you're just yes, trying to that's, connect. <laughs> yeah. that's that's a roundabout way to say it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. like like you're just you're connecting with people who might be of help, and genuinely trying to be there for them, and then at one point, 
there be an opportunity for somebody to help the other person, hopefully. Correct. Yeah, it's just um, general. <laughs> you you form bonds because you know you're in the same industry or you have a, a personal connection, not necessarily because you need something from somebody. Yeah. On that note, I actually had uh, a housemate for a while when I was freshman and sophomore in college, about three years actually, um, and he he was deaf in both ears. He had very very little hearing. Um, when he had his his hearing aids in, enough that if I said something simple, he could read my lips. Um, but he he pretty much was not able to hear. And I know that uh, in the deaf community, they're very close knit, and they're very very close to each other. It's kind of like you know, if somebody else is deaf and you're deaf, it's like you instantly have a connection. I'm kind of curious how the prosthetic industry is. Um, is there like a sense of connection when you meet somebody else who has a similar a similar prosthetic or? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, You know, I think a lot of people that go through a very traumatic experience when they lose their legs, um, whether it's an injury, whether it's disease, um, no matter what it is. But I don't know if they realize that the community that they've just joined, Mm -hmm. because we we are a very interesting um, community, and if if you make a goal, yeah, that's bigger than just walking out the door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of people that are going for a goal just like that. And we're here and we want to support each other and it's it's really an incredible um, community to be a part of. I can imagine. Um, so I feel like I've gotten a good picture of you and a good picture of just your journey for my subscribers and readers. Uh, I'm going to put this on Apple Podcasts and on YouTube and on my website. Also, I'm starting the SoundCloud, but I'm curious um, if you have anything you want to say to people, you have anything you want to talk about? Uh, <laughs> anything I want to talk about? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I'm kind of in a transitional period in my life right now. I, I just yeah. spent so almost almost 12 years working towards the Paralympics and, and just this one dream and now I'm in a place where I I don't know that I'm going to compete in another game. Um, Can you say that uh, one more time? It's a little quiet. Yeah, that I, I, I'm in a place where I don't know if I'm going to compete in another game or sure. not. I, I wasn't really enjoying the competitive circuit like I used to. I've just... Um, I think in my heart, I, I just want to have fun again. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, being in the competitive world, it's it's great, but it's also really challenging and it can be really hard. Yeah. Uh, because be- there's there's a lot of factors that that you don't have control over. Mm-hmm. You don't always get to choose where you're traveling, how you're getting there, what you're yeah. eating that day. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a lot that ends that up getting planned awesome for you. Even though we're in France, you have to eat this crappy, mm-hmm. like, protein shake stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm kind of at a point where I I kind of got tired of being dictated to. And uh-huh. I I want to live my life on my terms for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I don't know what that means in the long run. That's, that's okay. I don't cool. have a huge plan at the moment uh-huh. 
And I think that that's important for people to know is that you don't have to know what it is that you want all of the time. You don't have to be going after uh-huh. something like full throttle all of the time. Sometimes it's okay to just sit back and enjoy your life. Enjoy yeah. the people that that you're around and the people that you love and that can be plenty. That's <laughs> Well said. Yeah. I have one last question for you. Where do you put your metal? They <laughs> They're in a storage unit? What? Two stay in a storage unit, two states over. <laughs> Give it to me. I'll wear it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, no, I used to have a. I used to have a shelf in my office. Um, and yeah. my dad. My dad made this shelf, and all the trophies went on the top, and all the medals were things yeah. on the bottom. It's a really cool shelf, but uh, it's all packed up in storage right now. Okay, you're just moving on, and you're like doing something new in your life. So you, it's not really. It's like it's like this is like old Nicole, which I might put on the mantle <laughs> when I'm old and and gray but right now i want to move on kind of thing right mm-hmm. and you know a lot of olympic and paralympic athletes just put their medals in like a safe somewhere yeah. they don't you know they're not wearing it all the time <laughs> that would be a bit a bit, a bit <laughs> that'd be a bit like cocky be like yeah i want this like this. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah that, that would be a little odd yeah like you're going to get a coffee like guess where i got this nah no, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but uh, we do, the one thing that I have that I, I really yeah. cherish is that everybody that competes in the games, the Paralympics and the Olympics, they get uh, a game ring. A game ring. They get a game ring. And okay. it, it just reminds you of what, it's something that you can you can have with you yeah. almost all the time that reminds you of the work and the, the sacrifice that you, you did and, and went through. Um, and that you had the opportunity to ride and represent your country and that's um that's something that I have and that I that's more what I hold on to. I have that ring. Yeah. That means a lot to me. It's it's like a, a way that you can rem- you know, keep a memory tied to something physical, but also not like in a way that's like super cocky and awkward. It's just like I have a ring <laughs> and it feels comfortable to wear it kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Not, not to downplay your, your your achievement. It's an awesome achievement, um, and I don't want to downplay that at all because that's really impressive. But I just well, I think we're on the same page. <laughs> cool. Um, so I think that's it. Uh, uh, if you haven't yet, subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel and or my website wherever you are reading and or watching and or listening to it. Uh, more stuff like this, and um, I'm excited to uh, to, to, to to show you. Uh, to give send you the links of all stuff and see what you're doing in the future. Thanks so much, Joe. It was fun. Ciao. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the episode. In the earlier episodes, I put all of these sponsored ads at the end and the newer episodes that are in the middle. So if you're listening to one where it's split, some of the content before and some of the content after, uh, stay tuned and your content will come right after these messages. Otherwise, thanks for listening and please listen further to help figure out how you can help the podcast grow. Number one way, subscribe. Wherever you are listening to this, hit the subscribe button either with your finger or the mouse 
or if it's the future and everything is mind controlled, do so with your mind. That way I can attract better uh, sponsors and earn more money from the sponsors that I have so I can get better content and go to better conferences. I am right now about to go to CES. For each two-hour conference or so, I tend to get about four interviews. That means people that I contact that I actually record and that we continue to uh, publish an episode. I contact more, but in the end, I get about four. Now, this is going to be four days, and this four-day experience is going to probably net me at least 20 interviews. Now, when it comes to other ways to support the podcast, email list is one way to support. Go to the Renman Network. What you will get is exclusive content right to your inbox. You also get to stay on top of the developments of the Renaissance Man Network. And you get to stay accountable in your journey of becoming a Renaissance Man by being reminded of Renaissance Man values and challenges that I will put out to the email list. Another way you can help yourself, oh, let me just circle back. The way you sign up to the email list is therenmannet.work slash nothing, actually. Therenmannet.work is T-H-E-R-E-N-M-A-N-N-E-T dot W-O-R-K. And either click on join the newsletter or a pop-up will come up and you can just put your information in there. Now, another way is to get a journal. That is a hand-bound journal. I bind the cover of the journal with leather or another cloth. You get to choose if I have other cloths available. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But either way, I have full leather, real leather covers available. Leonardo da Vinci had one of my hand-bound journals, one of the best Renaissance men out there. And the best way to cultivate self-awareness is to have a journaling habit. I did that for three years straight, missed only one day during those thousand plus days. I will share exercises where you read one. Sorry. I will share exercises where you need one. I wrote a script for myself and I can't really tell my own writing. I share exercises where you will need one. Need a journal and a journal also doubles as a sketchbook if you're looking to use it for art work. You can get that at the store at therenmannets.org slash store. That's T-H-E-R-E-N-M-A-N-N-E-T dot w-o-r-k slash s-t-o-r-e and as of now they are fifty dollars there are some uh, if you become a patron you get a free coupon for that so um to to segue right into that if you want to support the podcast on a financial basis what you can do is become a patron it's at patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot c-o-m slash the renman network t-h-e-r-e-m sorry r-e-n M-A-N-N-E-T-W-O-R-K. And any, anywhere from 5 to to 100 or more dollars a month, what that will do is that will allow me to do this for more of my time, pay for my time. I will be able to buy better recording equipment, and I will be able to go to better conferences like the one I'm going to next week. Now, I thank you for listening to these, uh, these sponsored messages by my, uh, for my, my projects. And... I encourage you to support this podcast in any way you can. Subscribe, uh, sign up to the newsletter, buy yourself a journal, do yourself a favor for your own development, and support the podcast. Allow me to create better content for you by going to our Patreon. Uh, Without further ado, here is our sponsor for this episode.
And that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Just to remind you of some ways you can support the podcast. First of all, subscribe. Second of all, you can um, you can join the email list. That's at therenmanatnet.work, T-H-E-R-E-N-M-A-N-N-E-T.W-O-R-K. Click on join the newsletter. You can also buy a journal that's on the shop at the Renman Network. So therenmanatnet.work slash shop, or sorry, slash store, S-T-O-R-E slash store. And also you can support the podcast on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the Renman Network, T-H-E-R-E-N-M-A-N-N-E-T-W-O-R-K. Hope that you enjoy yourself and stay tuned for the next episode.